Hello, and welcome to Creative Catch-Up, a podcast where three friends catch up and chat about running a creative business. Each episode, Mel, Natasha and Crixis will be diving into a topic that has come up in their own creative practice. We'll be sharing our experiences, both ups and downs, struggles and successes, and hopefully give some advice that will help you along the way. So join us for Season 3, Episode 8, as we chat about our mistakes and failures, the realities of running an art business. In this chat, we also hear from artist Sandy Hester. Sandy is a painter based in Nashville, Tennessee, and shares her practice, Bits of an Artist's Life, over on YouTube. In this episode, she shares her perspective on making mistakes and how it has shaped her as an artist. So be sure to listen till the end. Hello. Hello. Hi. Today we're going to be chatting about our mistakes and failures and how necessary it is in running an art business. Before we get chatting, though, let's find out how everyone is. And uh, we're going to share what we've been up to recently. I'll go first, shall I? (laughs) Yay. Uh, Okay, I'll make it quick. Um, What have I been up to? I have been working towards a shop update. I've taken the month off um, from Patreon. So I'm not doing that in November. I am trying to catch up on all sorts of life admin at the moment. And um, yeah, that combined with doing the shop update, I think that's pretty much what I've been up to this month. How about you, Crixis? Well, <laughs> I finished the Camtober. Yay. I worked on the Camtober zine which I actually have next to me printed out. And uh, I also worked at the shop update and um, just kind of trying to juggle everything together, YouTube, Patreon, shop. It's it's a lot. <laughs> but yeah, just hmm. trying to keep going. How about you, Mel? Well, since we last chatted, um, I've had one video on my channel blow up it's now almost at 50k that's amazing it's funny that we uh, chatted about natasha your video yes. last time and we talked about um thumbnails and titles and so do you think that helped yeah i think so i think um i put the word addiction in the title so <laughs> <laughs> so you know that's probably why so we've both had the highest um viewed videos on our channel yeah now it's t- Crixus's turn. Yes, it will happen. <laughs> You're next, Crixus. <laughs> well, well, I was also learning from your both of your advices. So the one before this one was number one, which was really nice. I haven't had that in a while as well. And yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So because of that, though, I've um, had a lot of orders um, come into the shop and uh, oh, that's brilliant. been keeping me busy for the last few weeks, um, um, which is great. <laughs> it is really good. But we, as we were discussing just before our episode, shipping can be a little bit of a nightmare at times, <laughs> trying to work out <laughs> all of the things we have to do. So, yeah, it's um, mm. yeah, it's going well, but we are busy. I know we're all busy, actually. But anyway, we're going to be chatting today about our failures and mistakes before we start how do you feel about sharing your failures um I think I feel okay about it (laughs) I think it's good to share them because it helps other people to know that even if you 
are seemingly successful, you have a fairly successful career or whatever, that you make mistakes and you have failures and it's just normal. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think I feel a bit, not scared, but I feel, oh no, people are going to think I'm a fraud or they're going to think, oh, I can't believe she did that. You know, you kind of have all of those feelings of like you no, I'm going to be judged <laughs> yeah um I know though that it's good to share and times where I have shared my mistakes or failures it's really helped me actually connect with people because they suddenly see I'm human just like them mm-hmm. and it does help but I I've got to admit though it, it does feel it can, or it can feel quite a bit weird or awkward to share mm. What about you, Crixis? I feel it's, yeah, m- maybe word, weird is the word, but I think also you have to be kind of vulnerable to do so. And sometimes it's like you think, oh, what, what the other people will think. But like Natasha mentioned, that a lot of people can relate. Um, that there are a lot of like mistakes in art business that a lot of artists go through. And I think when you share these things, you feel that you're not alone. Yeah. I think anything that helps other people like this, it helps them to feel like they're just normal and that everyone goes through this. I think that's really useful. So so let's open up. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask then, first question, what's the difference? I was thinking about this before we launch into our talking about our failures, mistakes. What's the difference between making a mistake and something being a failure? And should we differentiate between the two? I actually Googled it. (laughs) Oh, did you? I think there is a real difference between the two. Yeah, so what what did it say? So mistake is when you screw up or do something that you know isn't right. And fail, fail, I cannot say the word, fail. Failure. 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 Oh, no. Okay. Failure. Failure. When you you give it your best, but things still don't go your way. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw that as well. And then it actually goes on to say, failures can make for a great story. The lessons learned from a failure can move you towards success. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because I was thinking, like, there are things that I've done which are mistakes in my business, such as ordering the wrong labels for my thermal printer. (laughs) I didn't think that it would be a mistake because it looked the same, you know, that, the mm-hmm. size was exactly the same. Yes. But when I had them in the printer, it completely mucked up the printing of my labels. Oh, no. Um, oh. So, you know, I had to get rid of it and I had to order the other ones that I should have ordered in the beginning. But I wanted them quicker because I thought I need them quicker because I have orders to do and I'd run out of my labels. So because of that, I thought, oh, well, I'll just order these ones. And they weren't, they, they weren't the right ones and it was a mistake. But then a failure, um, I was thinking I didn't sell all my 2023 calendars before Christmas last year. Uh, my goal was to sell all of them before Christmas, but I failed to reach that goal. So I failed in doing that. 
And I think it's very different to the mistake that I made, which was the best intentions in the world. Those labels weren't going to work. So I had to, it was an actual mistake I had made. I think it might be important for us to think about our failures in not as mistakes Mm. and that they are quite different. But they could be connected, I feel. Like I could, like my mistake could be ordering the wrong color for the t-shirt and then failure could be printing too much and then it doesn't sell. Yes. But it's it's kind of, it's connected, I think. They are kind of connected, yeah. Mel, I'd like to know something. What did you do with the calendars that you didn't sell? I actually did sell them all, <laughs> but I just didn't sell them in the timeline. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. oh, so it yeah. wasn't too much no, of a but, failure. No, but at the time, I tell you, at the time, I felt a real failure. Oh. Because I was like, I completely didn't get that right. And I thought, well, that's it. I've now got loads of calendars left. Um, But what I didn't know was that people would be buying them all through this year. (laughs) So right right up until last week, I had someone buy one of my 2023 calendars. So, um, well, I was going to say, yeah, it turned turned round and... uh, Mm adjusting sometimes your goals see I that's which is interesting with me I have quite high expectations on me if I just lower my expectations maybe I wouldn't feel so much of a a failure (laughs) I was thinking about this maybe I'd feel (laughs) I'd be more successful if if my expectations were lower yeah set the bar lower (laughs) yeah maybe it's about like um, the mindset yes I, uh, I do think it is about the mindset. You touched on it then that there is a connection yes. between failure and success. And I think there's probably more of a connection between the two because failure starts where success ends and then success often follows failure. And and the, there is like this super cliche saying that we learn from our mistakes <laughs> and, and like... Um, and it's it's so true, yeah. Or like we we learn from our failures. Fail. Okay, I I will not be. The best Is this, in this why we use the word mistake world. instead of failure? Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> and yet it changes. I'm about to say failure. Yeah. You can say it. You say it how you want to say it. We understand what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. There's that quote by. Sir Winston Churchill that says success is the ability to go from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. Mm. And I think <laughs> I that's love that quote. Yeah, I think that sums up the business. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, are we ready to talk about our failures? Okay. Let's talk about them, but also share what realizations came from them and how it changed how we ran our business so have that in the back of your mind as you're sharing about your examples sorry can you can you say again sorry i just zoned out (laughs) i'm so sorry (laughs) it's just so much i I just zoned out i thought you were a bit quiet (laughs) i was wondering um okay so so which bit which the the last two sentences all right okay yeah i'm so sorry cracking up here (laughs) what realizations came from them and how it changed how we ran our business 
Is that okay? Is that, is yes. that okay? Quick, sis. Yeah, I, Hello? yeah I, I know. <laughs> Sorry, it's just like a lot of things to think about, and I just like kind of switched off. So, okay. Um. Natasha, Natasha will go first. She or she or oh, yeah, she yeah. will. Okay. <laughs> I think it's just okay, too much right, so. from everything. Okay, I know. I feel like my brain is only working at about fifty percent today. So, um, okay. Uh, so I would say that one of the things that I would consider. Now, was it a mistake or a failure? <laughs> was trying to branch out into selling stationary products as well as my original artwork and prints and so on. And the reason that this was a mistake <laughs> was because I had underestimated just how much it costs to get these types of things made how many seconds I would end up with. So that's things that aren't perfect and are not perfect enough to sell. And also the limited amount of money that I could make from stationary products, because obviously if someone's buying a notebook or they're buying a pencil, there's kind of a limit to how much you can charge. Yeah for a notebook or a pencil. And um yes, I ended up I really wanted to do this because I thought it would be a really interesting addition to the things that I already had in my shop and actually it was just one great big pain in the butt from start to finish <laughs> and um, oh. it cost a lot of money I ended up with a lot of stock because I also found that even though people you know some people were buying these things and they really liked them they're not as popular. They're nowhere near as popular as my artwork and prints and cards and so on. Um, so they take longer to sell. And therefore, I have to find somewhere to store them in the studio in the meantime, which is annoying as well. And um, I also completely underestimated how much it would cost to post items like this mm. because if you imagine you have a flat piece of paper say you have some artwork or you have a postcard or whatever it is a print it's flat it's quite light it's relatively easy to send and quite inexpensive to send most of the time um, stationary products the notebooks were heavier and bulkier so it pushed them up into the next bracket when it came to um, how much they cost to send out. And um, I found that I had undercharged for the postage. So not only was I not making much money on the products themselves, I was actually, <laughs> some of my profit was being eaten up oh, no. by the fact that the postage was more than I had charged people. And um, yeah, so in the end, I did end up putting the postage up for these products. But of course, people don't want to buy <laughs> like, I don't know, a five pound pack of pencils and then pay yeah. an insane amount of money for the postage. But of course, if something is bulkier, it costs more to send. So there were many reasons why trying to do this was a mistake. And it actually made me wonder how other people 
manage all of this because I know other artists who sell stationary products and I just don't know how they're making any money from it. Yeah. And like you say, whether it is a mistake, but you've listed quite a few things then that I would say, yeah, that, you know, shows that it would have been difficult and maybe not the right time. But that that was what I was thinking. Mm. Is it was it not the right time or is it like now put that off? You don't want to do that at all, you know, with your... No, I'm just, I have, honestly, I've been put off doing it at all because there were so many problems with it that I didn't foresee. And I'm just like, this just isn't worth it. So I'm concentrating in my shop on the items that I know are popular and will sell and are easier to yeah. send. Yeah. yeah, I think also like for every product, you need to think about the packaging. And if everything else in your packaging is like artworks or like prints, you already have like the system you pack. Whereas it's ju- just the one separate product. It's like, it's just <laughs> hard to kind of know how to connect it with other, like how can you pack pencil with print so it doesn't affect the print for example I actually didn't mention that but you're right Crixis this is another problem that I had with it was that if somebody buys a pack of postcards and a couple of prints I can put them all in the same package but if someone bought a print and then some pencils the pencils will push against the print and damage the print so what I had to do is I ended up sending out two packages to that person and spending Double you know, amount. double the amount yeah. on postage. Yeah, and they'd only been charged yeah. once. Yeah, I can see how, yeah, you would, it was almost like you would have to start another business, a stationary business. You would have to have a whole operation just to run yeah. that side of it. Um, but maybe, you know, further down the line, you might be able to employ someone to do that for you, you know. I think you would need, a, you know, a whole other business almost to run, run that. I think so, yeah. So for me... I guess you could say that it ended up being overall it was a failure because I tried to branch out into something else and I very quickly realised that that wasn't going to work. <laughs> so a series of mistakes that led to a failure. Yeah, but <laughs> you you realised it and you, you, you stopped it, so... Yeah, I think I stopped it at the right time before I... Well, what I'm glad that I did was that I didn't order too many things at the beginning. So I just ordered notebooks and pencils. I didn't go into all sorts of other things like, I don't know, key rings or <laughs> I don't know what else. What you, Could you have, I don't know, sets of note yeah, cards? Pocket and mirrors, yeah. All, <laughs> pocket yeah, pocket all sorts mirrors. of things like that. <laughs> <laughs> that. Don't talk about that. That was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it would be lovely to be able to offer all of these kinds of things, but it comes with so many different issues that I just hadn't foreseen Mm. I I think it's I just wanted to quickly mention from my part so I do sell some of the more stationary things but I think why it works for me is because I have several products and it kind of it's easier to put two and two together because I have like I don't know washi tapes and stickers and like it kind of works in my case I, I have shipping profiles for large letter but every product I create, I am thinking about to not exceed large letter and I don't want to go to small parcels. So 
the 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 ma- I have all the packaging up to large letter, and that is kind of my um, margin. I don't know how like the dent because uh, then it becomes also like Natasha is trying to go into different sizes, and and the small parcels is like another kind of yeah universe <laughs> but uh, if you have like these uh, different packaging materials already and you have packed it for some time there is um you know what to grab like i have t-shirts which i i will not do t-shirts anymore but i have some and i have special um packaging for the t-shirts and if there there are prints i have like heavy cardboard before the ordering, you need to know how much the item will weight. Is this going to be good choice? Um, will it fit into large letter? So these are like the things I'm thinking about. I wanted to just ask you, Natasha, though, um, are you glad that you actually did it? Um, I mean, would would you have still had that feeling in the back of your head? Oh, I want to try this out because something must have kind of prompted you or made you want to do it. But yeah I mean it was something that I've been thinking about for years so I guess in that respect I'm glad that I finally did it and then just realized it wasn't for me um but I don't know (laughs) yeah it is hard isn't it because sometimes you do have these um kind of prompts you think oh but I want to really try that I really want to do that and it's like it's not until you actually do it that then you can put it to bed and Mm. just go right okay that didn't work let's go move move on or it helps concentrate you on something else um that's such a good point Mm. it's definitely a relief when I decided right this isn't working I'm not gonna I'm just gonna try and sell what I've got and then you know, I just suck it up for really. <laughs> yeah. the fact that I've spent this money and I'm not making much money on this. Um, it's just one of those things. And it's just one failure in amongst quite a lot of success. So I guess in that respect, I can just let it go. And it just kind of bounces off me a bit, really, because I think that in business, you're always going to make some mistakes it's inevitable really and so I don't feel too bad about it I guess there's part of me that's glad that I did it but um yeah it just wasn't worth it basically yeah Mm. yeah type of market testing isn't it to see yeah how it would work so Crixus you were mentioning about screen printing t-shirts do you want to talk about your failure mistake yeah so it's kind of connected in my part because i ordered like at first i had one design with t-shirts and it was with fox with two colors and that one did really well so i don't know i have like this thought in my head that i need to order kind of in natural progression (laughs) like every time i order something i order a little bit more than previous time and because the the first t-shirts went well, I was like, okay, I'm just going <laughs> to order a lot more. So I think I ordered around 60 t-shirts, which for me, it's a lot. It was like over 300 or something. So it was quite costly as well. And uh, so I ordered them and then I realized that uh, the color wasn't 
the one I thought it will be. Like it, it looked a little bit different. Oh, um, so did you did you not order a sample, or did you just order them all without getting a sample? I didn't order the sample, so that was like already the first kind of mistake. Yeah. Um, and because in the like on my computer screen it looked more rusty, whereas like rusty orange, whereas the ones I got they looked more like pumpkin orange, which were yeah. slightly brighter. Like it's not the brightest orange you could see, but for me it was brighter than the one I pictured, which looked more like autumn leaves or something like that. And I think it's even was called autumn leaf. So I'm like, that's not an autumn leaf. Um, you should send them an autumn leaf and say, does it match this autumn leaf? <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually did contact them, but to return them, I lose, I think, 25%. Ooh. And that was quite a big chunk. Yeah, that's a lot. So I decided to keep them. It was some time ago now, so I didn't do it. And then I printed... Um, a little bit uh, with the mod girl design, and I realized it it didn't like. N I think I got like two orders from that T-shirt, and I was like, okay, now what I do? <laughs> but luckily, one of the good things I did, I didn't print on all the T-shirts, so I have blank T-shirts now. I printed only on on uh, like five, so I thought if someone will buy, it, I will print more and kind of do more pre-order pre-order style. So I, I'm hoping I will print on them again with different design. But after that, I don't plan to print on T-shirts anymore. Mm. Yeah. Have you thought of maybe selling your stock on eBay or something? I was thinking about it. I guess if, if you haven't got space or if you feel like you just want yeah. to get rid of them, maybe it's an option. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah, maybe that's an option. Because like the t-shirts there, like they have a good quality and they are unisex, different sizes as well. It sounds like you learnt quite a few things from that. I, I learned a little bit more about like planning, about like how much to order. I am a little bit more careful, um, like not even like with screen printing products, but in general. Because I, I think like natural progression is not the best strategy for me right now. So like the the orders sometimes for half year they're like in similar range they don't kind of climb up super uh, quickly so maybe sometimes I need to order the same as I ordered before or sometimes even less yeah mm. it can be very hard to make those decisions um, definitely how about you Mel um, I think over the time I've been running as a small business which is pretty much. Uh, from the time I left uni, I kind of set myself up as a small business and have changed what I do over, I don't know, is it 20 years? Quite a few times. Um, so I'll just list them and then just say what I've learned. So I started off doing soft furnishings. I, I put myself on a course and did curtain making and blind making and cushion making and I thought, oh, yeah, that's what I'll do. And then it wasn't quite what I imagined and it wasn't as creative as I imagined it would be. Uh, and then I went into murals, doing murals for people. Again, that was fun for a time. 
I did a lot in schools and that kind of thing. But then there was a point where I was like, okay, it's not working. (laughs) Then we moved a few times. We moved to Hong Kong and then we moved back to Aberdeen. And then in Aberdeen, I started doing canvas paintings. And again, they sold okay. But again, it was like, this is not, this is not really what I want to be doing. And I'm not maybe selling as much as I hope to be selling. Um, then I started exploring screen printing because I thought that would be a good way to get my work onto things, um, back onto fabric. We moved to Falmouth. I started doing illustration, but also did a lot of craft fair. So I had set up my screen printing studio and just printed a lot of designs onto a range of things. That actually started going quite well. Um, I was selling to a lot of shops, wholesaling and doing tea towel designs for some shops whilst the illustration side grew as well but there came a point where I was just like felt like I was just a printing machine so I'd go into my shed and Tony wouldn't see me the whole day and I would come out and I would just be exhausted because I would have just printed the whole time printed onto all sorts of things but for very little profit margin and I think that's when I started to realise this isn't working either. <laughs> so um, we we made a move from Falmouth to Paul Flevin and that's when I shut down everything and, and then just uh, started sketching. And when I started sketching, I just felt at peace mm. and I felt, mm, I feel mm. now this is something I can enjoy and it wasn't as much pressure because I think everything else I was thinking how can I make money from this in a way it was in the back of my head how can I make a living from this um Mm. but when I moved to just sketching that there wasn't that pressure there and you see at the same time my illustration side of the business had had grown and I was able to start getting clients that way so um that was working so Lots of, I would say, failures, but and there were points where I'd actually get quite low about it. Yeah. But then something would appear, a, a different opportunity would come, and I'd be like, okay, let's let's go on with that then. Um, so, I think that's how I've kept going because I know maybe some people, if they've had one or two failures, they might think that's it. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just going to, you know go and get a job where I'm paid nine to five, I'm salaried and I'm not going to worry about, you know, trying to make a living through my own, you know, ways of doing it. But something just kept me going and I just, I wanted to make it work. And um, yeah, I've just been able to pivot and find a way through. So I'm at the point now where I am making a living and it's supporting myself and Tony and uh, it's it is because of just learning from my failures yeah and having resilience yeah I think yeah. this yeah. is such an important thing if you're going to make art your career in any kind of creative career is to have that resilience and to not give up when things get tough because they probably will get tough. I would say that most people go through times where things are not working out and you do feel like giving up sometimes. But I also think that people with creative brains, they're obviously ideas people. 
And so mm. when yes. one thing goes wrong, your brain immediately goes, you know, onto <laughs> another idea. <laughs> and so yeah. then you're enthused to start something new. And um, that kind of like pushes you on and pushes you on. So you tried all of these things um, and some of them didn't work out, but it eventually led you to a place where you're loving what you're doing and it is yeah. working out. But you needed the resilience, yeah. didn't you, to get through all those other times. And I think you're right, because Tony has said the same thing. He said, you know, you just need to persevere and persevere with something. Um, yeah. Yeah, you mustn't give up too quickly with things, because sometimes things will take a while to really get rolling. Um, yeah. But also, at the same time, <laughs> it's very good to know when to quit and when yes. to just say, right. I'm done with this. I'm moving on to the next thing. I think that's what I've been. It's like a series of those kind of things where I've tried it and I've thought, no, this isn't right. So I had to change course again. Yeah. But I, I definitely feel like with the sketching and it's been such an enjoyable experience for me. And mm. just going back to drawing has just, I've just felt this is what I should be doing. Yeah. It's, it's still having to persevere with it and I'm sure I will have, and I do have obstacles, I still have obstacles and, and things that I have to overcome. Um, but uh, I feel like this is the channel I should be sticking in, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's like you obviously have a real passion for that and it brings you a lot of joy. So yeah. I think that that also really shows you know with your audience online as well I think that if we're all doing something we love and we're passionate about and that comes through in our posts and our videos and our work then you know it inspires other people too doesn't it yeah, and I feel like I don't know this is kind of like it almost I don't want to say breeds success but it it's kind of like if you have the passion it's almost sort of guaranteed to have a more successful outcome. This is how I feel anyway. Like you will yeah. find a way. Yeah. I think it really comes through in what you're doing and I think it encourages and inspires other people. Um, whereas if something's really not working out, if you're on the wrong path, I think that people can kind of see that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm I trying to say? Yeah, definitely absolutely with that and I, I definitely saw that with screen printing I I wanted to do it I thought this is what I should be doing but there were points where I'm like yeah but I'm not I'm not really excited <laughs> about having to do all of the prep with this or yeah I, I'm not that kind of mind I don't have that kind of mind you know where you know you need to line everything up or everything needs to be exact you know so I, I can definitely see that it's funny because that's what's put me off doing that. I did a bit of screen printing at school, but yeah, that I would find that really difficult. All of the prep, all of the cleanup as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's also a lot of failing in screen printing. There is. So mm, there is also yeah. some. You need to let go of the perfectionism sometimes. That's, yeah, and mm. yeah, I resonate a lot of things you mentioned about like finding your own like place and finding what you want to do and the things that doesn't go to the plan but because we do repeatedly reach for it it then leads to the next stage where you actually start to think like hmm maybe I can do it 
because like for a long time I I was like really in adult stage, even like with doing YouTube and having my online store and just sharing my journey online. I was just, just like, am I in the right place? <laughs> so I completely like resonate to what you said. Here's Sandy chatting about how mistakes have shaped her art practice. I'm Sandy Hester. I'm a full-time professional artist. I make videos every other week on YouTube and I teach online art classes. I feel quite comfortable and passionate about sharing my mistakes since it's what I'm constantly doing on my YouTube channel and in my classes. I think it's an important part of the process to show because it's such an important part of the process as an artist. Mistakes are the only way we grow and get better. So much of art is about experimenting, trying things, and trial and error. Mistakes are a daily thing in my art, and I welcome mistakes. I would consider a mistake as putting the wrong color down, making the shape wrong, like either too big or too small, or putting it in the wrong place, etc. Getting the values wrong, getting the composition wrong, just there's so many wrongs that could happen when you're painting, but those are a few of them. I would say that failure is the only way to success. With art, you can't just learn it mentally like you do with like math or learning history. You have to do the thing to actually learn it. It's tactile, it's physical, and you never actually like arrive Once you learn that and realize it's a journey to be taken and you can learn to enjoy the journey, that's when you can relax and just enjoy the ride. With art, you never get where you want to be because that marker or where you want to be always keeps moving. That's either going to be completely exciting to you or completely frustrating to you. I think the key to success in art is embracing the journey, enjoying the journey, knowing that the journey is what it's like all about and that as artists we all have to take the journey. So you're either going to be fighting that or you're going to be enjoying it and embracing it. I'm daily gaining things in my mistakes. I learn from them daily since it's the doing where you learn. My mistakes help build up the surface of the painting It leaves little marks and colors behind that wouldn't have been there without the mistake. Every time I take the leap to do the, like, what if I put this here? Whether it was a good or bad decision, I get braver each time that I try that. Each time I push past fear of ruining the painting, I'm gaining confidence and I'm learning what works and what doesn't. That's really the only way to do it in art. You can learn all the rules all the things, but until you put it into practice because you're actually creating something, that's just really how you learn is by doing it and by making the mistakes and pressing past those fears. I would say the thing that gets in the way of attitude most is the fear that feeds the feeling of being afraid of making mistakes. I'm constantly talking back to that fear when it raises its head. That fear will always hold you back, always suck the joy out of creating. Like there's just nothing good about that fear. Yeah, I don't know. I think my whole career, it's one of the things I've worked hardest at is my mental, um, 
my mental state and the things that are being said in my own head because they're rarely ever good things that's being set up there for some reason. I first realize when that fear is raising its head, like that's what I first want to take note of. And it shows up with things like my body is tense. I'm holding the brush or the pencil pencil tighter and lower down where I could have more control. I'll find myself standing closer to the canvas or leaning in more to the sketchbook. I will catch myself saying things like, this is going so good. I wonder if I do this, if I'll ruin the whole painting. It's like, it, it can sound different in all of us, but it's usually something like that. It's when these things show up that I say things like this to myself. Sandy, leaning in like this or tightening up on the brush is the best way to ruin this painting. History has proven this to you over and over. So step back, hold the brush higher up on the handle. I, I try to tell my, my body things like, okay, okay, this is going on. Get back where you started this painting, which was loose, moving your arm, not being so tight in your body. I'll say things like, it's just paint, Sandy. It's just paper. Turn the page and do another one if you mess up. Think of how exciting it would be to paint over this whole painting if you mess it up now. You've learned so much by getting this far. If you have to start over, it will likely be even better than it is now because you've learned so much. The short answer to how I get over my mistakes and failure is to just not get over them, but to embrace them and make them work for me and not against me. I feel like this was something that we all deal with, and I thank you guys for doing this podcast episode on it because I think it's something that is so um, in all of us, and it takes constant work to, to work at these things. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I love y'all's podcast. I listen to it usually multiple times. And I think y'all just hit the nail on the head with the things that y'all talk about. So thanks for doing such a great job uh, with this podcast and taking your time to do it. It benefits and helps all of us. Um, I'm always listening to podcasts when I'm painting. And y'all, y'all's podcast is at the top of my list uh, to listen to. So thank you guys. Thanks again for having me on. It was really fun. Thanks so much, Sandy, for your input. We've really enjoyed having you on. Now, back to the chat. So another thing that I would say was a mistake or a failure was getting an agent and then realising that I didn't want to do commissioned work anymore. And yeah, I realised that pretty early on, to be honest. It's like, I think another thing when you have a career in art um, is you see other people doing all sorts of interesting things and you also can begin to see that as like a marker of success as well. So I think there's a lot of kind of kudos to getting an agent and I actually thought it would also be a very useful thing because I thought I hate negotiating um, terms and conditions and um, when you're having to negotiate your fee and all of that, it's it's one of the less fun parts of being an artist or an illustrator. So 
I thought getting an agent will kind of cut out all of that. I was kind of measuring success as, oh, if I have my work in books or on a book cover or on products that are sold in, I don't know, big stores, that kind of thing. I was thinking, you know, that's kind of a marker of success and it would be really fun to do that. And and then I realised the reality of it, <laughs> which wasn't so much yeah. fun. And and that's a lot of back and forth with people who have sometimes a very different vision than you have for your work. And I realised at that point, I was like, I actually think I'm more of an artist than an illustrator. And it really dawned on me that I really want to do my own thing rather than being as flexible as you need to be when you're working to commission for somebody else. So I found all of the admin, all of the back and forth a bit too much, which is also why I've stopped doing commissions in general, actually. Because I got to the stage where I've been doing this for so many years now and I was like, I really just want to concentrate on what I'm passionate about and really love doing and it is working for myself and it's just creating paintings and creating my own products for my shop. I actually no longer have a desire to have a book deal or anything like that. And actually, I have been offered different things since then and I've turned them down because that no longer is success to me. So I've changed my... I don't know, opinion, I guess, on what success means to me. And it just means me being able to make a comfortable living from doing what I absolutely love and doing the work, creating the work I love. I have no desire at all to work to commission for anyone. And it would take a very, very special project (laughs) for me to change my mind on that. Um, But of course, having an agent is you know not really much use <laughs> if you if you don't want to work like that and so i guess that was one of the things that i would consider i don't know whether i'd consider it a failure as much as a mistake it was just a mistake thinking that i wanted something that ultimately i didn't really want and i think it was because i was basing my idea of success on what other people were doing so i'd love to hear from either of you something else that you would consider is a mistake or a failure? I don't know if to call this a mistake or a failure, but studying fine art instead of business. And I think this is something that I've realised many, many years later after doing my course, that the business of running an art business is so important to actually being able to make a living from it. Because if, if I think back to it, like I wasn't really taught technique or you know, what you expect to learn on an art course. And I think it would have been far better if I'd learnt about how to run a business. Uh, All the things that come with it, and I've listed them, like contracts, you know, being able to set boundaries with clients, learning to price your work, how to share your work, marketing, building relationships, you know, replying to emails promptly, meeting deadlines and working with others. There's just so many things that I probably should have learnt um, before maybe setting up a business and it would have saved me a lot of hassle 
if I knew these things. But again, it's hard to say whether it's a mistake or a failure because like what you've been sharing, Natasha, sometimes you don't know these things until you actually are in them or have them or... Yeah, it's like you have to experience it before you realise exactly. it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. There probably would have been nothing that would have stopped me from wanting to take a course, a fine art course or an art course of any kind, thinking, yes, that's what I need to do. And and no wisdom from someone else would have probably made me change my mind as a young 19-year-old, you know, who thinks they know everything. Um, <laughs> so it always comes with the benefit of hindsight. So, but it... Yeah, it's a failure, I would say, then. A, a failure to not have learnt that sooner. But yeah, I've, I've, mm. but because of that and because of realising that I have found out this information, I've had to. Because I've realised if I don't, then I'm not going to be able to make a living or do the work that I want to do. So I've had to learn that. And my mistakes or my failures with that has pushed me to want to talk about it more openly with with other people and with other artists to see see if that will help. <laughs> Whether they listen to it is another thing, like me. Would I listen? I don't know. Um, but, but if I was looking for that information, then I would be very happy to hear it. How about you, Crixis? I think I want to chat a little bit about saying yes to things, like people-pleasing, um, because... I actually, I recently realized that I, I was like my childhood, I was a people pleaser and, uh, and it also kind of steeped into my adulthood. And I realized I, I started saying to a lot of things, especially like now that I remember, I suggest to like doing free sponsorships on YouTube, for example, or I... I also wanted to have an agent and I almost signed with one agent uh, when I finished the course and uh, I was just so desperate to be liked that I, I like kind of had like long chats and like added more things because that agent, even before signing, wanted so many things out of me. So I kind of said <laughs> um, yes to so many things, but it kind of took the joy out of it and I felt like I'm just kind of pleasing the agent to get in rather than just focusing on uh, on what I actually want to do and also like with the sponsorships and just like I think people who are or were people pleasers at some point I think they they need to kind of reevaluate every situation. Like, is this something I want to do, or is this something you think someone else will want to see you doing? Like, I'm I'm learning from it now. It's still like in the process. I think I sometimes just need to remind myself these things, or maybe just taking too much, even with things I like. But if I take too many things, it's just harder to complete, and they then I feel. Like I need to do all of these tasks, but I just don't have enough time to do them all at the same time. So it's kind of like still in the process, um, kind of juggling in between, like finding the new opportunities, but also realizing what I actually want to do and not like say yes all the time. It can be a, quite a hard thing to learn, though, isn't it? To say no, especially when you're 
new and trying to find the opportunities and you think sometimes any opportunity you should say yes to and you know work it out but you know we have to choose wisely don't we where do we want to put our time like I, I, I had like this opportunity to work on book project but it was project that I would do for a year and the the money they suggested to me it was so low that I just felt like it will it would be such an underpayment <laughs> and uh, like also like there was another um, opportunity I think Natasha had it as well with Craftamo brushes they they asked for so many things <laughs> to to be done for that like to create personal brushes you needed to have like five different videos and I just felt like okay that sounds good but also like is this something I really want to do and then I was like no actually I don't want to do it so I'm I'm learning so there are positive things I was gonna say that's the perfect example of something that you you're very flattered when a company like that asks you to do something like that and you think wow it would be amazing to have a brush set a brush set <laughs> with my name on it and again it's like one of those things where you think well that's kind of like you know a marker of success in a way but i realized <laughs> actually do i really want to spend the time doing this do i really want to market this and to make all of these videos and to be kind of selling this product to people. And I realised that, no, I didn't. And so I turned them down. You gave me the courage to say no as well, by the way. Well, I'm glad that I gave you the courage. I hope that was the right decision. Yeah, like, I don't regret it. So it was the right <laughs> decision. Yeah, I don't regret it at all, actually. And as I say, it would take something very special for me to want to collaborate so it's like when I did the deep deep light collaboration recently I completely believe in the product I love their paints I love using them the colors are amazing everything fits and I think when it fits and it feels right that's the time to go for it but I think if there's like this element of doubt as there you know was for us with the brushes and it just takes you away from all of the other things that you want to do. I already feel like I don't have enough time to bring all of my ideas that I have for my work and what I want to do into fruition. So it's like, <laughs> you know, adding another thing on to my already packed schedule just feels like it's too much. And it's going to end up with me feeling burnt out, frustrated, um, I, you know, I just want to do what I want to do now. I think you get to the stage where I think maybe I'm at a different stage than Crixis because I'm quite a lot older than Crixis and I've been doing this for many more years and I feel like you get to a stage where you really are focused on what you want to do, you know, what brings you joy because I spent so many years doing commissions and working for low pay and not really enjoying so many aspects of what I was doing. And, you know, I got to the stage in my 40s where I was like, I really, really want to concentrate on the things that I love now. Well, I'm learning from your boats. 
I'm learning from you both because like the the book project as well, because like you both are such a strong figures to me <laughs> because I learned a lot about like, yeah, about the business and marketing and also about saying no, because like for a long time, I really wanted to find publisher. And for a long time, I also wanted to um, how picture books, but now I'm like, yeah, but I can make my own picture books. And it's because like I'm in this environment that I can actually start to be believing to myself that I can actually do something outside of someone else commissioning me that kind of brings this new like freshness. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you can be an illustrator these days but you can illustrate for yourself your own projects. You know, like if you wanted to illustrate a book and bring out your own book, you could. You don't have to rely on agents and people who are commissioning you. It can be self-commissioned work. You can work on your own projects. So, um, yeah, I think we're in exciting times in that respect, actually. And I think you have to weigh it up. I mean, yeah, there are pros to having a publishing company publishing your book. But if you're doing it yourself, you're not having to deal with all of the admin that it's a complete energy and time suck that comes with dealing with a publishing company, you know. So there are pros and cons, but I really believe that you can do it yourself. And I think there are so many ways that artists can create things for themselves these days. It's like, I think the world is changing and and if you don't really want to have to deal with that, I mean, years ago, if you wanted to have a book of your work published, you would have to get a publishing deal. You know, there weren't really any other ways of doing it or not so easily. And now you can. So, yeah, I, I was thinking like with my zine that I've done, just publishing that. Zines are brilliant, aren't they? You've got the people who are interested, then you know, they're more than happy to want to support you and also, yeah, just want to see your work. They're, they're excited about it. So it's a, And it's a lovely way of having quite a few pieces of the artist's work in your hand and it's affordable. I can totally see why zines are so popular. It's kind of like indie publishing. <laughs> it is. It yeah. is indie. It is like that. And that's the whole ethos of, of zine making anyway is indie publishing and kind of do-it-yourself attitude um, and I definitely just think that's what you need in an art business when you're running it you need to just have that kind of attitude of well you don't need permission you you do it and yes you are going to make mistakes you are going to have failures but you've got to keep going and keep persevering it's all on you but it's also all on you yeah, <laughs> it's, it's how you look at it and your attitude towards it. It's quite exciting when you grasp that and think, yeah, it's all on me and I can do yeah. it. <laughs> it's like, what, what mm. are your plans, like actual plans? Like, I think when when I was like learning how to illustrate, I, I had like this standard, like what other people want to see. But I think it's important. What do you want to see? in that work like what are your personal projects because when you do personal projects these are something that you are really passionate about and something you are like giving it all whereas if you are working for someone else I think it's it well it could be passionate project but it's not all the time the case no yeah 
Yeah, I definitely see that. Of course, I'm more excited about the things that I'm working on my sketchbooks than I am with client work. But I realise that the client work, though, enables me to also do the sketchbook stuff. So they, they work together for me. But it may be that one day I will have more of the personal work supporting me. But at the moment... I think it probably will go that way, yeah. It's a balance. Um, and I see that. I see what it'll enable me to do. But I'm happy at the moment with that balance. But we'll see. Business changes, doesn't it? I think, yeah, being flexible is another yes. thing. <laughs> That's really being resilient and being flexible, two very important yeah. traits. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and, and jumping on things that maybe you're seeing a working and you're like, right, okay, let's push that door a bit more. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, for me it's prints. I'm noticing just how many print sales there are. And so I decided recently right, I'm going to start offering larger prints as well as my usual sizes. And because and because I'm working for myself, you know, I can do that. I could just make that decision, made it, you know, like one day and then ordered the prints and got them in the shop. <laughs> and it's just so easy when you're doing it yourself. You could see, though, how you've grown to that place, though. Maybe that wouldn't have been something you could have made you know, a few years ago, but you, as the direction, as you've seen what's sold and built your uh, base of people, you've been able to then adjust. Exactly. And things, you know, years ago, I was selling really just original artwork. You know, I didn't do prints. So when I first started out, I was just selling my originals. And it's interesting to think that I could actually keep some of my originals now because that was how I made money. You know, I had to sell the originals because that was all I had. But now I can make original work and I don't necessarily have to sell that original work straight away. I can hold, which is what I'm doing at the moment, by the way. There are a few original pieces that I'm holding on to, which is unusual for me because you know, in the past, as soon as I'd made them, I would put them in the shop and sell them and they'd be gone. But because I want to make a book of my work or something like that, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what form this is going to take, but I'm holding on to certain originals at the moment um, because I don't know what I might want to do with them. You know, it's good to have the original there in case I need to re-photograph or scan it or I don't know, take a section of it or do something with it. Um, so this is interesting. It's good to have the prints because I feel like I can sell those designs, at, but I can still, you know, <laughs> I don't have to sell the original. I can just do it like that. And yeah, they seem to be, I've noticed a real kind of surge in print sales recently. So um yeah, they seem to be a popular thing at the moment. It's really good to mm. hear, though. gives you flexibility, like you say, as well, to think as well and think how you're going to move your business forward. So that's what you're getting from that. What's the most detrimental attitude to have to your success, do you think? I think a wallowing in self-pity if you've had a failure, <laughs> I think, is detrimental. 
like allowing yourself to just wallow in that and get really down. Yeah. And I think you're right, almost turning into the victim of of it, of that failure, because then you no longer are feeling responsible for it yourself as well, because you think it's happening to you. Yeah. And also being, you know, we were saying how important it was to be flexible. I think being inflexible is really detrimental, really sticking to your guns. Like if I'd have said, I really want to sell stationary products and, you know, they're not selling great. They're expensive to produce. I'm not making much of a profit on them, but going right I'm but this is what I said I was going to do so I'm going to carry on doing it you know that would be a detrimental attitude wouldn't it so I think having the flexibility to know when something isn't working and then to just move on to the next thing is really important when you're running a business I I think with that it also listening because like you sometimes like I, I remember when I was learning how to paint and draw I got really good at it at some point and I I started having like this bad characteristic that I thought I knew the best <laughs> and I didn't listen to the advice and if you don't listen you cannot learn so now I'm trying to be more observant and listen to different people's opinions and then take my own rather than just say nope this is my opinion. That's it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, one people thinks that, one person like that. And I'm like, what do I think? So I'm kind of trying to listen. Because if you don't listen, you don't learn. Crixis, what's the listener question? Okay, so this is by, by Aurelius at. And the uh, person asked, I would love to know if you have any habits or routines to help keep you inspired or productive do you have any en environmental aspects of your workspace that help with this uh, and in um, brackets there is organizational lightning knickknacks plants books etc um, Natasha what do you have to say about this well one routine I have is to do admin in the morning and then art later in the day because I find that, I don't know, my brain seems to be more geared up for admin and just getting that out of the way in the morning. And then it feels like it's free <laughs> to be creative in the afternoon. Um, and I kind of also feel like I'm much more of an afternoon and evening person than a morning person. So actually doing my creative work in the afternoon or later in the day seems to suit me so that's a routine I have and I would say like for my workspace I just make sure it feels as inspiring and cozy as possible so I surround myself with all sorts of things that I love um, other people's artwork on my walls art books everywhere um, nice candles <laughs> things like that just anything that makes it feel like a really nice space to be in and a creative space so that would be my tip <laughs> yeah I think for me I'm opposite in a way to Natasha I'm like early morning that's when I feel most creative and alert so I if the weather is is okay 
I will try to go out because I find if I'm feeling quite stuck or unproductive, then something that is a surefire way to get me creatively unblocked is to go out for a walk and to take my sketching with me and just go out and just sit in nature and draw from what I see. And I often find that gets me going and especially if it's early in the morning um, because I don't know what it is. I just feel like there's no one around. I can see the world <laughs> with fresh eyes and it's it's that kind of new day, new kind of feeling of anything's possible. <laughs> so if I can get out in nature, then that's what I will do to just get me going. Also, when I'm back in the studio, I'll have like a um, a notebook by my side and I generally will write everything that's in my head or things that I think I need to get done, I'll write it all down and then try and prioritise what it is that I need to do. And that really helps me because it just gives me a focus for that day. Um, Tony says to me, I need to maybe again uh, take down my expectations <laughs> of what to achieve <laughs> because uh, a really long list and I only managed to tick two or three makes me feel quite disappointed. <laughs> but if I just try and do you know list maybe five things then that's going to be better for me because then I'll feel like I've achieved something if I can you know get those done so what's that then kind of manage your expectations and and write a list of things in priority to get done yeah I use the notes app on my phone and laptop for doing that I have so many lists on the go at once so if I have an idea and I'm in the middle of something, I just quickly jot it down so that I don't forget it and, um, yeah, have different lists for different projects or whatever. Um, yeah, so I really recommend doing that, just getting it out of your head and mm, down somewhere yeah. <laughs> so that you can then concentrate on what you're actually doing and you're not worried about, like, losing that thought or a bit of inspiration. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm a little bit more like Natasha. I like to wake up with a cup of tea and then I answer some of the comments on YouTube or some emails and kind of this is the morning because I also feel in the evening it's for me it's harder to to write and process the the information from different sides. I used to be a little bit more chaotic and read all the messages all the time, but now I'm like Okay, in the mornings, I try to like answer or, or focus more on that. Uh, yeah, I think my, my morning routine is actually I, uh, I have a cup of tea and then I go and feed the birds. And then I come back, I see the birds eating and then, then I write. <laughs> I want to make cozy atmosphere as well. So books and, uh, and posters and artworks uh, that really helps me to kind of slow down and uh, I do lists as well I do them most mostly in the evenings and uh, when I finish the work day and I also recently started doing one thing with the light so I have like main light which is like really bright it's kind of like this kind of filming light almost and it's uh, on the top um and I use it for the day. Well, because now it's getting darker. So when I work, I use that one. And uh, when I have like time off, I I put some smaller lights or like fairy lights and 
kind of create different atmosphere. And um, yeah, cleaning the table before the next day is good for me. <laughs> because then you wake up and your table is like almost empty and fresh. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my room at the moment is a bit of a tip, so I need to maybe clean it and organise it. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> After every shop yeah. update, there is like so yeah. much chaos. Exactly. Like everywhere. Yeah. Or like, I, I have like lists like on loose sheets, so it's also maybe worse. So I have like a lot of lists around me with all the things I have written and, and then some things like here and there. So yeah, artistic mess. Yes. Thanks so much for listening and tuning in to our latest episode. And special thanks to Sandy for sharing her insights with us. We'll hope you will join us next time on our creative catch-up when we'll be chatting about taking breaks on social media, when to return and how to find balance. Find us on YouTube at Creative Catch-Up or Instagram at creative.catchup. And until next time, three... Two, one, stay, stay creative. Stay creative. Woo. <laughs> okay. <laughs>